Welcome to the Altered Podcast, where we honor God and the things he does. Welcome to the Altered Podcast. I'm your co-host, Hunter Dill. And I'm your host, Ben. Wow. He just said that right out there. He said, he said host. I had to throw it in there. Oh, I You're did. You're a co-host, I'm buddy. I'm a co-host. I'm sorry, man. Step hey, in your last, lane. Last time I had listeners of my own. <laughs> now I am my own host. This has gone to his head. It has. But I, we are what's missing. What's verse about being humble? Yeah, humble and kind. Yeah. That's a Tim McGraw song. I, that is. I was, <laughs> I was actually talking about, you know, the Bible, which oh. is, that's what we're about. Gotcha. But we're missing our creative director, Dina Burnett. We are. She is um, currently tiring out my nephews at Kings Island. She has to get thrilled for the next episode. She does. She's getting pumped. And so, uh, Kings Island, if you would like to sponsor us, now that we've shout out, shouted out your name, feel free. And we have a PayPal. We do. <laughs> I don't know how to access it, but we have one. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're learning. We're so, Ben, this is episode five, and we will be talking about the importance of the local church. Yeah, buddy. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. How have you enjoyed recording five episodes of the Altered Podcast? Man, I love it. I can't believe we haven't done this sooner. Which is funny because you were the one who was actually like, who who told me at first we should do this, and then I was like, we should, and then I just kind of let it go. And the longer it went, the more I just kept procrastinating. And you kept going, "Are you going to buy the equipment? Are we going to do it? Are you ready? Come on, man!" So it's been pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I hounded you in my because I can be kind of uh, yep, yeah, I can you be can able... be in your bonnet and this <laughs> away. Yep, I can be a little. Um, yeah, I can yeah. be a little overbearing sometimes. It's cool, but it's good though. Or this podcast would never happen. That's right, because I'm a pro at procrastinating. You, that you are. I put the P in procrastination. So I called you earlier this week, and you were doing some pastory things. Yeah. You had uh, uh, some stuff go on with one of your Kaiofa uh, students or former Kaiofa students. He, he's alum, but yeah, um, and his dad passed away. Yeah. So tell us how you know. That is being a pastor, and or even because we're talking about the local church. So uh, today, your local church body, how 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 does that work? Yeah, it's it's man, it's one of those things. It's so hard because, on one hand, you never want to do this, right? You never want to go and be with a family who's losing a loved one. But at the same time, it's so cool about Jesus because he. Even his calling, he's such a good God that even his callings are good. For instance, he has called me to be a pastor, and in that calling, he has provided a person to at least attempt to comfort a family who's going through such a hard time. And so, you know, when um, you know this family's going through all the stuff that they've been going through, I just went to the hospital and I prayed for him, and I read, you know, scriptures to him, and I just talked to him and you know, attempted to get him snacks and drinks. And that was really about it. It was just a, the whole purpose was just to love on him to the best that I could. Well, that's really good. <clears throat> I wanted to bring that up just because we're going to be talking about a lot about the church body and the church gathering today. And you actually had to experience the one of the main important uh, importances of church body, and that is... Yeah consulting one when they're grieving yeah. um, and even right before that grieving time. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that little bit of an experience. But I also called you 
uh, this week when you was on a uh, education uh, conference. Yep, because I, I do both, right? I've got the secular job and I've got the pastoral job. Yep. So tell us about your education conference. <laughs> yeah, it was good, man. We, uh, we actually went to my hometown for it, which was strange because usually they're in like big cities. So we go to the city of Ashland and um, Ashland is, is, it used to be a big town, right? It used to be the Lexington of Kentucky or the Louisville of Kentucky. It was one of those places everybody came to and it was a big steel town, you know? And so, uh, there Ashland oil, that's where it was born. Um, and so, you know, used to be a big place and, you know, I'm there and, and you see the remnants. Now Ashland oil is still there. You know, steel is gone. Um, you know, the, the town is, is just kind of a shadow of even what it was when I was growing up, but you know, I got to go and, and you know, walk around and do some things. And, and we learned a lot about technology. Um, I learned a little bit about Jesse Stewart, who was a local author. And then one of the things that we did was we did uh, what they taught, they called a ghost walk. And so what they intended you to do was to walk around Ashland and they stop at certain stops and be like, Hey, this is what happened here. And this is what happened here. Can't you feel the ghostly presence? Ooh. Ben's like, yeah, the Holy spirit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I bring the ghost with me. He's called the Holy ghost. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so we're walking around, and, you know, they're just telling us all these stories, man. And, and it's crazy because I didn't know anything about my hometown, you know, any of the stuff that they were talking about. One of the things that they talked about was, and, and I'm just going to make it real short. I'm not going to even try to get into all the historical details of it. But basically, um, these kids were murdered in their house, and then the house was set on fire to cover it up. And so when they discovered <clears throat> that these kids had been murdered after they put the fire out. They found out that they'd been axe murdered. Actually, it was really terrible. And so the city of Ashland puts out a $200 reward, which this was in the 1880s. And so that was like a lot of money back then. Well, the townsfolk were so outraged by the the murder of these children, um, the whole town's just up in arms about it. And so they actually raise an extra $800 for a reward to find out, to find the murderer um, that, that did this. And so, um, this guy comes forward, he turns himself in. He's like, you know, I, I didn't kill anybody, <clears throat> but I was an accomplice in this whole thing. And he names his two accomplices. Well, they um, they end up all going to, to jail. And like the one guy that, that confessed, he gets life in prison. So the people of, of the city of Ashland, they show up at the, the prison and they're like, we want him. So it's either your life or his. So of course the jailer's like, well, here's the keys. Um, and so they get the guy out and they hang him right in the middle of Ashland. And then... Um, the other two guys, they were sentenced to the death penalty. And so I guess, I don't know if the, uh, the city of Ashland, they just let him go or what, but um, when uh, when this whole thing goes down, um, they end up putting off the trial, the judge does. And so the city of Ashland people, they, they're they going to pull the same stunt, and the judge thinks about that. So he puts these, these two guys on this um, prison barge with uh, this militia group. Well, city of Ashland comes out and it, and chases the the prison barge down with another steamship, and then like two hundred people just gather on the riverfront to go watch this thing and see what happens. And so the the people of Ashland they all gather on the riverbank. You know, two hundred people. Um, there's a group on the steamship and they're chasing down this ship that they know has a bunch of military guys on it, and they're going to get these two guys and hang them from the town square along with this other guy that they already hanged. So they, they chase down the ship, right? Well, somebody um, that's, that's full of the Ashland people pulls out a pistol, shoots at the, uh, the militia group, and, man, they just opened fire. They, they said they counted the shots. There was something like 1,500 shots fired that day. 
Um, they must have gone to the Stormtrooper School of Shooting, though, because they only hit like 20 people, and only like three people died, which is still terrible. But you think 1,500 shots and 200 people that are just on the shore would be easy targets, but I guess they weren't. Um, and at the end of the whole thing, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about, of all the lessons I could get, you know, I'm thinking, man, isn't it crazy that, number one, that these people were up in arms over the murder of children, which we so easily embrace right now. And number two, man, people didn't play back in those days. If you really offended somebody, if they, you really made somebody mad, they were going to, like, hang you. Or they were going to pull out their gun, they were going to shoot you. You know, they say that a, an armed society makes polite people, and, man, that story kind of, in some ways, kind of put you know brings that point to life for me. So anyway, of all the things I learned at an education conference, that was some of it. Well, I think that the moral of the story, when times get hard, people g- gather together to set the record straight. They, and, yeah. To, to the truth will prevail. They definitely did course correct. And That's I do sure. think that uh, that kind of goes along with the narrative of the local church. So thanks, Ben, for five whole episodes of the Altered Podcast. Man, I've loved it. Thank you for five whole episodes of the Altered Podcast. Yeah, we um, have tons more to do yep. after this. Yep. So, but to get into it, why is a church important? Well, number one, it inspires you not to gather together and hang people. <laughs> <laughs> so, can I just watch the sermon online? We'll dive into that section a little bit later down the road. Yeah. yeah. Um, but let's really hone in on the first point. Why is a church important? Well, you know, we say on the Altered Podcast, we should always start with the Bible, right? Um, and so... Number one, it's really commanded in Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, um, the Bible says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but are encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, and that is the end of time is what the day, that, that's the day they're talking about there. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no lo- or there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. What it's saying here is, number one, we shouldn't give up meeting together as we should because the meeting together of the local body, the local church, it stirs us up to, to love and good works, which we all know we need more of in this world. Um... We encourage each other, and it helps us to lead holy lives, which is really important. I think so. I 100% agree with you, but today we see people who don't come to church for every reason under the sun. Yeah, My dog has the sniffles, right? <laughs> so I can't come to church. Not fluffy. <laughs> But you also see, like, my in-laws are in town, mm-hmm. um, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm, yeah. I want to go to the lake, where yeah. it's really nice. I need to mow my yard. Yeah. Bring your in-laws to church. Yep. Go to the lake after church. Yep. Mow your grass on Saturday. Yep. Or Plan, after yeah. church. Plan better. Right. Because the, the the Bible tells us, and we heard the very first episode, We part of that, the five solos is scripture alone. Um, and then... The Bible tells us that do not forsake the gathering of the church. Yep. And don't take it for granted because there's people who die for it every day. Yeah. And yeah, there are people in other countries who literally die for the privilege of going to church. Um, their government tracks them. They know that if they go 
to this church enough times that the government's going to put them in prison. They go anyway. They know that if they keep going, that eventually they could be um, they could be martyred for the faith. Keep going because it's that important to them. And they walk miles and miles and miles. Yep. Go to places that are barely a building. You know, it's more of a bench and an awning, you know, that barely keeps the sun off of you. It's hot. It's it's cramped. It's crowded. Nope. Nobody cares. Yeah. I just don't think us in America <clears throat> really appreciate the freedoms that the First Amendment gives us. Absolutely. Now, I alone will say that the First Amendment makes us the greatest country in the, the world. Yep. And the reason we still have the First Amendment is because we have the Second Amendment. I agree with that. Um, and in that... I don't know if that has to do with the church, but I do agree with that. But I'm just saying that that is the First Amendment does for uh, religious freedom, um, which is hanging on by a straw. Yeah. Um, But we see people in Afghanistan at the point, which was they were in the middle of a revival um, earlier this year. Mm. And we saw when the American troops forces left that – it wasn't 24 hours that the Taliban took over um, the capital yeah. and stormed the president's palace. Yep. And then the church that was growing so exponentially in Afghanistan was on the hunt. Right. They were being martyred. Yep. Um, it was the very next day. I believe it was a, a Friday night into a Saturday. We woke up to uh, this happening, uh, a mass exodus of of American troops. And um, then we saw the Taliban take over, and then we saw them taking over or t- going after people who have the Christian faith. Yep. So the morning of uh, or Saturday, we had like a prayer service yep. for them. And that was that Saturday night. It was exactly eleven hours, I think, mm-hmm. and I think that's the time difference. But if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But I think, but I know that that time was the exact time that they would be getting up to go to church on Sunday morning. Oh wow! And so it was this. It's real when you think, you know, we're praying for them. We're we're doing this. We're at the we drove our cars easily to this church when we walked in, and these people are trying to get to church on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. uh, hiding from the Taliban. Yeah. So, and the Taliban knew who they were. They had their papers. They weren't allowed to buy food. They weren't allowed. They had to send their children out to the market to buy food, hoping their children would return. Yeah. I mean, so this is where I'm like, we are commanded to gather together even in those times. Yep. And not anybody in America has seen that yet. Yeah. Although it does seem like it's prophesied in Scripture that we probably will at some point. Um, it, and it gets worse every every year, every day. Yep. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about the persecution of the American church here in just a little bit because there is persecution in the American church. Yep. Just maybe of a different variety. Yep. yep. So uh, what else do we see in Scripture? Uh, Luke 4.16, it says that, Jesus really gives us the example to go to church. So, you know, Hebrews commands us to do so. But Jesus sets the example. It says in Luke 4, 16, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. This was his custom, which means did it all the time. So, yeah, so Jesus gives that example. In Psalms 84, verses 10 through 12, going to church. It's pretty great. It's you pretty have. Great. <laughs> I, I, I make my own no, notes when we do these like pre-planning meetings, and Hunter was like, "Hey, you know, just just write down whatever you think." And so that's what I did. <laughs> Going to church is pretty great, according to Psalms eighty-four, verse ten. Read it for us, Ben. It says, "For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere." You know that song? 
better is one day. And Hunter told me, don't sing this podcast. I said, Dean is not here, so we don't have to sing this podcast. <laughs> I told him I was going to anyway. <laughs> For a day in your courts, that's what Psalms 84 says, is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. What do you think it says that? I think that's uplifting greeters in the church. Oh, yeah. Greeters are pretty awesome. <laughs> Darling. Anyway, um, yeah, it, you know, it, it is talking about being a doorkeeper. The doorkeeper was the person. Uh, you remember in the story where Jesus, he washes the disciples' feet? Mm-hmm. A doorkeeper would have been one of those people. They would have been a, uh, the servant of servants in this case. They would have been the person who you come and you have a whole load of animals and a whole load of children and a whole load of people, and you're the one that is going to answer questions. You're the one. You're the one that's going to wash their feet if it's called for. You're the one who's going to try to provide for their needs. And so what, what the Scripture is saying is it is better to be a servant of servants in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And the tents of wickedness, tents of wickedness, you know, were really this you know, concept that these people were moving from place to place and doing wicked things. And the Bible continues, and it says, For the Lord God is a sun, S-U-N, not S-O-N, a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Yeah, and I think that's a great saying. And no matter what position I'm in, if, like today's, um, if I was the one cleaning the bathrooms mm-hmm. just for the sake of going to church, yeah. um, as long as I'm there. Yeah. And that's a really good point. You know, people. I think a lot of people go to church to 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 get fed. That's what you hear. I don't I don't get fed there, so I'm not going to go there. But back in the day, it was your privilege to go to church. Not only that, but think about Almighty God for a second. Think about the the most kingly, the most exalted person that you can think of. You know, the the Queen of England. People talk about her all the time, even though <laughs> Dadgummit, we're Americans. Um, but people still talk about the Queen of England. And imagine if the Queen was coming to your house, for instance. You know, she she makes a stop in the United States, and she's like, Hunter, I'm going to come to your house. You would probably clean your house top to bottom, even though you're an American and not a, not a Brit. You know, you would probably do some things to try to prepare for the queen coming. If the president, even wh- whatever you feel about him, if the president's like, I'm going to stop by your house, regardless of how you feel about the man, you're probably going to clean your house. You're probably going to do some things. You're probably going to dress up. You'd have a reverence You'd have a for reverence the, the position. For the position. If we think about God in the same light, why would we not scrub toilets in the house of the Lord? You know what I mean? I mean, it is an honor to do things that traditionally wouldn't be thought of as, oh, this is important. Oh, I, I, I just want to be fed. No, it is an honor to be anything as long as I'm in the house of God. Right, and I think that the Psalms here, you know, really gets into the point of like, hey, yeah, you might be working in the nursery and holding babies, um, but you're helping someone else attend church. You're helping someone who may really need it. That's true. Um, attend church. Also, if yeah, if I'm you're doing children's church, or if you're the one that is baking the the goodies for the new guests or whatever, and it's causing you to miss. Did you say bacon? <laughs> baking these goodies, uh, goodies. I'm from Kentucky, all right? We don't say the ING. I just got excited about bacon. <laughs> baking these <laughs> cookies <laughs> um, for the new guest or whatever it may have you, that's you're out of service. But glory be to God that you're in the house of God um, because doing those things there magnifies that 10 times more. Yeah, yeah. 
And so as we go through the rest of these, you know, it's I, I've I've pointed out a couple of them just because the the Bible says some interesting things about the church. You know, it, it, we're commanded to do so. Jesus makes the example. You know, if nothing else, why do people get baptized? Because Jesus set the example first. Um, you know, we talk about that kind of stuff, and you know, Psalms eighty four going to church is pretty great. But then there are some other distinctive things about the church that we don't think about. James chapter five, for instance, it, it talks about. Uh, 5.13 says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Now you're like, uh, Ben, I can do that on my own. Well, hang on just a second. It says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Um, well, Ben, I can do that too. Is anyone among you sick? Then it says, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, you know how we always talk about King James because I, I memorized some OG stuff in the King James. Do you know what that one says in the King James? It says, the, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much as it is working. That's how I memorized that one back in the day. But it's interesting that James 5 points out, and, and really the implication of the whole thing is, you do this in the church. If anybody's suffering, let him pray in the church. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Where do we sing praises most likely? In the church body. Is anyone among you sick? And then it says, let him call for the elders, which are the, should be the, for lack of a better way to say it, kind of the pastoral staff. They're the people who, you know, have been going along in the faith. They're usually in kind of positions of leadership. Uh, that's a whole other podcast for a whole other time. What is an elder? But all of this stuff is done in the local church. There's some, there's some interesting implications to why do we go to church? Because apparently God honors the fact that we go to church. And he honors it with healing and with other things. And two, it says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. I don't know about you, but I don't do that in the local church very often. I don't walk up and somebody's like, hey, brother Ben, how you doing, buddy? And I'm like, buddy. You know, I, I lied to six people the other day and I murdered that homeless kid. You know, like I don't, conf- <laughs> I don't confess my sins one to, uh, by the way, I didn't murder a homeless kid, but I don't confess my sins one to another, you know, just openly. That's, that's not something we do in the church typically. Most people put on their, their pretty church smile and their pretty church suit and off they go. Five episodes and it's our last. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already been shut down for talking about murdering people. Anyway, well, I think that it doesn't happen often. Yeah, to to your point, murdering people, <laughs> we would hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but us going to church and and um, confessing our sins, and I mean, because we pray for each other all the time, we do. But we want to know why healing doesn't happen or people being set free and chains don't fall off. It's because there's parts of the story that you haven't expressed that we leave out. I think sometimes purposefully. Oh, 100%. Because it's uncomfortable. I don't want to tell you, you know, I don't want to tell you about those thoughts I had the other day yep. when somebody cut me off or whatnot, and you'd be like, well, Hunter, that's, that's minuscule. But if it's habitual mm-hmm. and, and you know it's a problem and God has convicted you about it. Mm-hmm. What if it's not habitual? Do you think we should still confess those things if we're commanded to? I think if, uh, I think if you're, especially if you're convicted about it. I mean, because there's, I mean, there's some things that I cannot possibly, I cannot possibly um, remember because because okay. we're all so sinful beings. Yeah, um, you know, but 
there are some things that is not habitual that God convicts about. Yeah. Hey, you really shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And and you're not saying that if I don't feel convicted about it, it's okay to sin, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously not. But I think that that is a sign of sanctification. We yeah. explained what that is last week. Yeah, being more and more like Jesus. Yep. Right. And so you being... Uh, convicted by more and more as normal mm-hmm. because you are a sinful being who's supposed to be carrying their cross daily. Yeah. And that a local church is supposed to be helping you and calling you out on some of the things that maybe you are not convicted about. That's good. So if you're not convicted, then that's where your pastor or your elders or your associate pastors are like, hey, I see this. And whenever this happens, 99% of the time, we hightail it and leave and we go church stop somewhere else. That's true. That's the bad thing about having a church on every street corner, yep. especially in the Bible Belt. Yep. I can just leave and I get uncomfortable. Yep. But I've been church disciplined, and it, and it saved, you know, it helped drive me to repentance mm. so that I could have my salvation moment. Wow. I mean, so in that point, you know, our good old friend Pastor Chris, he wasn't holding any punches. He was in that meeting. That so, I mean, you have to have that church discipline. You have to have that... Um, I mean, it's like parents. You think I set you straight so that you can drive yourself uh, to be right with God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, you're right. People they they don't think about some of those things. They don't think that some of that is important. But man, one of the benefits of the local body is they help me to be accountable. They help me to to be sanctified by calling me to the carpet sometimes and praise God for it. Um, you know, if you keep on going in James chapter 5, verse 19 actually says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And in that is just what we were just talking about. Yep. I mean, church discipline will drive people to repentance. Yeah, or it should. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it. No, if we if we did it properly, it would. Yeah. Well, and if people are accepting of it. Well, right, and so if everything was done properly, they would. But people do not accept church discipline nowadays, and they hightail it and they run, and you're doing the same exact thing, but you want to say you honor God and the things that He does, and you have no reverence for. You know, that church discipline that you say, hey, now it's brought to your attention. I'm doing this thing that the Bible says right here is a sin, mm-hmm. but you're not willing to fix. That's right. And, oh, but when the next pastor brings it up to you, you're going to run. And you're going to run. And you're going to run. Yep. I mean, and here we see when James said it's important, hey, you brought them back mm-hmm. and saved their soul. Yeah. Yeah. If you saw a child wandering on, wandering in the road, you know, I, I actually I was driving down the road. Is this just about this homeless kid you killed? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never killed a homeless kid. Oh. But I was driving down the road not too. I mean, it was probably three or four months ago. And I'm just I'm driving. I'm going home. And you've seen my road. You know how it's a, it's an old country road, and it's really windy. And I was getting ready to come up over what is what I consider the most dangerous hill on my way home. It's it's a blind curve, and you kind of turn up and over, so you can't really see until you're until you're there. As I pull up to that hill, there's a child, probably two years old, that is walking around at the at the edge of the road, just walking up and down, looking at cars, waving. Really scary though, because if I'm on the other side of that hill, I'm coming off that hill and I'm gonna hit that kid. And I was terrified. And the first thing I thought was, I have to help this child, but what do I do? And so I, I slam on my brakes 
And I start looking for the parent because I'm thinking there's no way this kid is just out here on the side of the road by itself. And so I'm looking around for, you know, the parents of this kid and they're nowhere to be seen. So, you know, I'm sitting there, I've, I've got my, my car in park, I've got the, the emergency flashers on and I get out and I'm like, you know, obviously feeling like a creeper at this point, but I'm like, hey, little buddy, like, where's mommy and daddy at? And they just like point back at the house and I'm like, so are you here all alone? And he's just kind of is like, you know, you know how little kids do. They don't really talk. They just kind of sit there, you know. And so I'm like, and so I take him by the hand because a car could be coming literally at any moment. And I walk him off the road and I'm standing there and I'm talking to him and I'm like, hey, you know. Um, and he's in the middle of the road? He is. He's on the edge. Okay. Um, but still. Still in the road. He's still in the road though. Yeah. It, he's he's in the danger zone is what I would call it. Because when you come over that hill, I, if you're try, if you're hugging the right side, you're going to hit him. And if he panics, you're probably going to hit him too. And so, I, you know, I get him. I take him off the road to make a, a long story short. Daddy comes running out of the house all of a sudden. He's like, oh, my gosh. I didn't know he was out and about. You know, his his older sibling's supposed to be watching him. Um, you know, again, back to the parents, you know, whatever. But if you see a kid out in the road like that and you know they're going to get hit at any moment, most decent people are not just going to drive by. Same thing with the church. If you're a decent person in the church, you're going to try to help people not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, not fall into that trap that Satan wants to to spring on you to kill you because that's literally what the Bible says he's trying to do the entire time. He want, he seeks to see, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's good. And that's exactly what will... What, what? Soapbox over. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Ephesians 4 talks about building uh, the church up in love. Yeah. Well, why don't you talk about that yeah. for a minute? It's kind of like this extension of, of that that last idea. You know, the, the church is meant to, to help you not sin. It's, it's, it's meant to help you lead a holy life. But Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Now, this is talking about how the church is, a, is the body of Christ and how every person is a part of that body. So, you know, I, I'm a foot and you're a finger and, you know, whatever. Like, every person is a part. And so, it, you know, it's talking about from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So many people that I talk to, they don't know what their place is in the church. But this verse says that when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow and it builds itself up in love. You ever break your leg or break anything for that matter? You know what's weird about breaking a bone? It, doctors actually say that the bone, if it, if it heals properly will grow back stronger than if like it was never broken in the first place. And so when this verse is applied like that, it says that it makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. It heals places back better than they were if they were never broken in the first place. Yeah. And so what does the church do? Just to kind of recap this real quick. Well, number one, so the church is a place where you know, healing happens where we're, we're supposed to confess our sins one to another. It's the place where we're supposed to call each other, the other to the carpet when it's necessary. But ultimately, ultimately, when it works the way it should, it's a place where we build each other up in the love of the Lord. And so the church is really, in my opinion, really essential to the life of every believer. There's no way 
that a believer, sh- in my opinion, should be able to be a believer and just not feel the effects of not going to church. I think if I think if you faithfully go to church the way you should, I cannot see a way that you don't feel it if you stop going for two or three weeks. Back in the day, <clears throat> um, Dina and I, before we were like the super pastory, super you know, Christian-y people that we are. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> back in the day, um, we weren't as faithful in our church attendance. I'll just tell you right now. When we were first married, especially, there were Sundays we'd wake up and we're like, we're tired. We don't want to go to church today. And we wouldn't. And I could always feel in my, like what some pastors call the chewy chocolate center in my inner being, you know, I could. it was almost like I was at this deficit that I was working to get out of. It was almost like I was digging myself out of a hole because I didn't have this church body, you know, that was loving me, praying for me, looking out for me. I wasn't gathering with a local body, and I just felt it. You know what's amazing <clears throat> is that, so I, I used to do that when I was a teenager. So I'm always about... <laughs> 22 years old. You know, I'm going on 24. Well, yeah, um, that's right. And, and here in August. And, um, but when I was a teenager, we'd always ride our motorcycles on Sunday, and we would do these things, and, yep. you know, we didn't have a home church when I was an early teen. Yep. Um, but then we went to real life, mm-hmm. and... That's uh, five out of five. We mentioned the name of the church. Um, uh, I'm the Real Life Community Church. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we went to um, Real Life and started valuing the sense of a local body church. Mm. Yeah. And it's so amazing now. That's the church that I was a very first member of. That's the church where I became a pastor at. Yeah. That's the church where I met my uh, bride. That is the church where I got married. That is the church where... Um, you know, my, my first children's children, a child attended. Um, now the same place that I got married and the same place that I ever preached my first sermon is the same uh, aisle and the same church that my kid runs down every Sunday. Mm. And now my wife carries our uh, infant baby in her womb um, to down the aisle. Maybe by the time this airs, maybe your it baby should. out the womb in it her should. arms, yeah. Because yeah, this is the fifth episode, and yeah. we only we're only two weeks away, buddy. So that means this should be five weeks. The airing of this episode should be five weeks away. I know. So yeah, the wow. baby is here. That's cool. Hopefully, um, yeah. And so, but that we see that, and so when I sit there and I stand, and I stand there in the pulpit and I talk, and yeah. you see your child and you see your wife, and you're just like, this is what it's about. Yeah. You, you you progression and you see that these people around us have been there for everything, mm-hmm. thick and thin. Yeah. And without one of them, we are a little bit more crippled as the body of Christ. That's true. And people are like, well, I'm just a church attendee. Mm-hmm. Well, you should be doing something first off. Yeah. You have a gift. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how often you think about using your pinky, but your pinky is used a lot. Yeah. You're, you know, we all think about our thumb and we all think about a shoulder, but... People's like, well, I'm a lesser body part. When you start bringing up that, and it's like, well, the, there is no less body part, by I the mean, way. Even if there is, the Bible says that the parts that have less honor, we treat with greater honor. And, and what the Bible is talking about are like your more private areas. We'll just say it that way. Um, but we treat them with greater honor because we clothe them more and we take care of them more. And, you know, we watch over those areas more. Well, I mean, and you just look at the one of the smallest things on the human body is a pinky toe. Yeah. And what happens when you cut off a pinky toe? I mean, you have back problems, and they're more prone to herniate discs. Yep. And they're, it literally helps cripple the body. Yeah, that's true. So, 
I'm just uh, that. That is just my my thought. That's absolutely true, though. You are essential to the local church, and you should be there. And not only should you be there, but if you really care about yourself and other people, both, you'll you'll work in the church doing something so that it works properly, so that the body grows and builds itself. And I don't know why this has popped into my brain, but if there's a pastor out there who's listening, is like, well, I'm the head of the this thing. Yeah. Uh, you're not. Jesus is the Ooh, head. I don't know good. why that just hit me in the brain, but it's true. But yeah, so if you're thinking, the, what body part am I? And you're and you're a pastor of this church, and you and, think that you're the head, take a back seat, buddy. Yep. And you better be careful if you're like, well, then I'm the neck. I turn that head wherever I want it to go. It, it, yeah, the the head can absolutely take care of that as well. If you're thinking that, you may just be the butt. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I've never I've never uh, been one to to stay quiet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Though we would like you to sometimes. <laughs> Um, so here's my question. Yes. Um, in all this, we talk about the church body and we mm-hmm. talk about its growth and we talk about all these different types of things. And um, we talked a little bit, per, a bit about persecution and yeah. all these things fit well. But I want to hone in on one thing. Okay. So we talked about what the Bible says and we brought up a lot of scripture mm-hmm. about how the church should function. Yeah. So tell me, how has the church changed over time? Oh, buddy. From the time that Acts was written then, mm-hmm. and we saw that that 30-year span of Acts, to 2022. Yeah. So we have to ask the question, what did the early church do then, right? Um, and so Acts 2 gives us like a little tiny, I'm going to call it the cliff note version of what all the early church did. It says, and they, talking about this body of believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, if we pause there, number one, what does it say they did? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Are you devoted to your pastor's teaching, or is it something you suffer through every Sunday? Number two, they, vo- they devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, this is a really interesting one to me as a Chi Alpha pastor, because you asked me, hey, what's Chi Alpha going to be doing this coming semester? And I said, we are a ministry that focuses on small groups. You know, we talk about the, the, the church in of itself and how important it is to go, but what is the gathering together? Is it is it small groups? Is it whole groups? Is it should I only go to whole group? Small groups, it doesn't matter. What do you think? So I think the word that you're trying to use there is fellowship, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it is the gathering um, together of the saints. Yep. And I think that can look different in many different places. Mm-hmm. But I think each individual um, source of that is important. So I think whole group is important, what we would call like a Sunday morning service or a service time. Yeah. Um, for If you're not like a non-traditional who doesn't do Sunday services like Chi Alpha, they do on-campus stuff. Um, the whole group is important mm-hmm. um, because you're coming together under one teaching mm-hmm. and you're spending time together under one teaching. But small group is important because in like uh, age or um, gender or whatever, whatever draws you together mm-hmm. um, to be considered to be in a smaller group um, with your common likeness mm-hmm. is that is another type of fellowship that's really important. That would that can be just as important as whole group. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't forsake either one. Yeah. Um, don't just like you're if you're a parent of a teenager, youth group is massively important. Yes. You know, I I was a youth pastor for a couple of years, and 
you could tell the difference when kids started coming to youth group. That's true. And yeah, you know, they, they joke around and they have fun and all my youth kids got on my nerves at least one point or another. And I had the pastor's kids. So that was <laughs> yep. in my, in my tenure of doing it. But in fairness, your own kid, you say gets on your nerves sometimes as well, right? Let me, everybody's child gets on my nerves <laughs> at some point, yep. but I'm just saying, and, and so you, you, you dive back and forth and you see them come together mm-hmm. in a, in a smaller group mm-hmm. and they, connect with their likenesses and they just with the age or they're close to the same year, they're enjoying the same type of music and we're coming together and we're talking about God and they can compile that to how it fits their life. Mm. And so yeah, Sunday morning church is important for teenagers. I think it's great to, to move them onto the next level to where you are, you and I are at now for small groups of young adults and college Mm. students. But for them going down there on that Wednesday night to small group or youth group Mm-hmm. It's probably impacting them more than a Sunday morning is, yeah. Because it's hitting them directly where they're at then, yeah. So it's it's both important. Yeah. Um, you just have to not forsake one for the other. Well, I'll miss Sunday service, but I'll go small group. I'll go small group. Or yeah. I'll miss small group, but I'll go to Sunday service. Yeah. Now look, things come up. I get it. Um, when this baby's born, we probably won't attend. I probably won't come to church that first week. Yeah. Um, and my wife may not come for a week or two after that. No, but I think it's important for me to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important for my small group to still meet, yep. even if she can't uh, attend. So uh, it's just, it's a, it's a matter of where's your priorities lie. Yeah, that's true. Um, one thing that I think people forget are churches do things for fun sometimes, and we do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> you know, I actually feel kind of convicted about this one because our church does a game night. And, you know, I, I work a job, you know, pastoring's a full-time job in and of itself. And there are weeks, many times where I go, I'm, I'm too tired to go to, to game night. I just don't want to go. I just want to stay home. But I should probably go to game night because that is a fellowship event that the church is doing. And ultimately, if I go and when I go, I do feel built up in love. There are plenty of fun things that our churches do. We should probably go to those two. And, and, and our church has a saying that when we go, we want to re- have our uh, affections raised towards Christ. In everything that we do, yeah. And and to me, for these, these group things here, mm-hmm. raise my affection towards my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. And in that turn, raises my affections for Christ. Yeah. Um, so... I think that everything... That, and I know you're saying, so you every time the doors open, I should go to church? Yes. The answer is yes. Yeah, I get it. The answer is yes. Small kids, mm-hmm. you know, you work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. You do a podcast yeah. on the side. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever other activities you have, I get it. But if going to church is not your hobby, it should be. Yeah, we should at least try our best to go to as many things as we can. And I, like I said, the kids have a ball game. Don't get me started <laughs> about that. You know, and again, we're already here. Mm-hmm. So should your kids' sporting events take precedent uh, over Wednesday night and Sunday service? No. I I run Madison County Youth Football League. I'm the vice president of this league. Mm -hmm. And we make it a point to not have games or practices on Wednesday nights. Now, there's some coaches who insist on having practice on Wednesday night, but we will not have a game or um, anything on a Wednesday or Sunday morning or night yep. for that thing alone because I don't want to be the reason that these people are skipping church. My team's playing. I signed up to be there. Yep. Well, your team is also playing on Sunday morning at church mm-hmm. You knew, and you signed up to be there. True that. 
and the church needs you. The church needs you to be there. And parents, you got to teach your children church is a priority. Yep. I have uh, family members who are probably going to listen to this. I'm not going to name them, mm-hmm. but they have kids who don't, and they don't. They none of them go to church. They go to church very rarely, mm-hmm. and the kids are starting to really notice that church is not a priority. They say when you mention church, oh, why do you go? It's so boring. These kids are not that old. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad don't make a a uh, effort to go to church. The kids, when they're older, will make even less effort, and yep. their kids won't even know what church is. Yep. So you looking at three generations, church can be out the, out of a family window. And we've seen it. Time after time after time. Yep. It's hard enough to get teenagers and kids to go to church when you attend faithfully. Right. Just imagine what happens when you don't go, and then you tell your kid about how important church is and how important God is, but you don't live that out in your daily life. Yep. You don't get me start preaching on here now. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny about that, we're going to talk about this later, but... The, the other question of that is if, if you think church is boring or if you think that church is, like if there's an issue with the church that you go to and that's why you don't go very often, the other question with the whole fellowship word is what are you doing to fix it? Right. If you're not doing anything to fix it, then I'm sorry, but you're part of the problem. Well, if, it, yeah, and if you're telling me that, and, and you're like, well, I go to church, but you're the first one to leave whenever he says amen at the end of the dismissal and the prayer, yep. you're not doing anything to fix it. Yeah. That's true. Stay in there. Stay in there. Find new friends. Yeah. Find a job. Yeah. Find you know work inside that local church. You yep. see the grass needs to be mowed. Mow it. Yep. Find a couple other guys to step up. Yeah. And mow the grass. Yeah. I mean, people are always talking about how they're looking for friends. Go make friends in the local church, and do something with them. Every single one of my close friends yep. have come from the local church. Yeah. You were the best man in my wedding. Mm-hmm. Come, I met you at real life. Yeah. That's true. I mean, so. Some of the greatest friendships I'll ever have, and now that some people have moved away, mm-hmm. um, like Brent, Chris Morris, things like that. Yeah. Look, y'all got shouted out on our podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. We can come see you in Colorado and Arizona and places like that. Some of my greatest friends that have caused me to travel across the country, yeah. um, I met at church, yeah. and I got to experience new things, and I got to do a lot of things that I probably would have never have done right. with, without them. Yeah. So, you know, single ladies looking for a good godly man, don't go to the club. Right. Go to church. Yep. I mean. <laughs> or the hardware store. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, go to the church. I mean, the hardware store is also a very close second. But <laughs> yep. Good, uh, uh, young men need hardware, local hardware stores. That's right. But yeah, so we talk about fellowship. I guess we can probably move past that one probably. now. Because I can rant on that for days. Oh, I can too. I totally can. Um, but yeah, they they devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, the breaking of prayers isn't the the breaking of prayers. The breaking of bread is an interesting one because I was really talking about communion, and uh, you know it talks about you know whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of Jesus. Um, local church was doing that, and they were doing it often, and they were doing it together. Um, I think just kind of from the implication that I read, um, it looks like they did it almost every day. You know, I mean, they, they took communion every time they met. Yeah. That's what it seems like every day. Yeah. Cause they met every day. Cause they met every day. Hey, by the way, you want to go to church every day? I bet a lot of people listening to this may not, but that's really important too. You know, I would say yes in this moment. I won't be honest with you. I would say yes in this moment, mm-hmm. but after, you know, like you said, after a 40 hour work week, yeah. you, when, I mean, I can't, we can't get people to show up on, on pray, to special prayer services yeah. throughout the week. Let alone a church service. Yeah. Look, again, don't get me started. Yeah. The, and, and the prayers, which is the, well, was going to be my next point, but. Man. So do you think communion should be taken at every service? Because 
in in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. they do this, and that's one thing I wasn't sure. Our, our real life does this every Sunday. We take communion, yeah. um, and I wasn't sure when we first did that mm-hmm. how I felt about it. Yeah. But now that we do this, I find it great, and I don't like grape juice, <laughs> um, to be frank. So um, I'm not a, a big grape juice person. I, I, I cringe every time I, I drink it and I kind of find it to be a sin. <laughs> it's like, it feels geez. a little sacrilegious to cringe at the, uh, blood, I know blood, blood, blood Jesus, press. please deliver me from my hatred <laughs> of grape juice. Um, but do you, how do you feel about it? I've never even asked you this question, so I don't know the answer. I have no problem with it. Um, I don't know that you necessarily have to every time, but it does say that, you know, whenever you do this, um, and, and it kind of implies that whenever you gather, um, and I think the other church did it. So do I see a problem with it? No. Um, do I think you have to? No. But do I recommend it? Yes. And I, I would agree. We do it. And at first I was like, ah, who cares? You know, it's, it's, it feels a little like religious, but whatever. But I do kind of like it. You know, I, I do just, I don't know. There's a, there's a reason why communion is a sacrament. Um, and I think I feel the difference more than know the difference in my head, but I do miss it when I don't get it. Well, no matter what the sermon's on, if the sermon's on marriage, and, and it all points to Christ, don't get me wrong. should. <laughs> yeah, um, if you're if not, yeah, they, your, your pastor should be pointing everything to Christ mm-hmm. and the cross. But the communion, when it's time to take communion, it hones in on exactly what Jesus' life, death, and resurrection meant for us. Yeah. And at that, you just cannot replace that with anything else. Yeah, the whole point is that you are supposed to remember the sacrifice of Christ on a cross every time you take communion. And you are partaking in this. Yeah, yeah, you are you are in some weird way, though it's not suffering, you are joining with him in his sufferings in this moment. And so, yeah, when you, when you take the cup, you know, this is the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. That's what it represents. And so, you know, we say take and drink every one of you, do this in remembrance of Jesus. Um, the body is the body of Christ that was broken for you, man. I mean, it, it is. It is a. It is an, an excellent reminder that we don't come to church for us; we come to church for Christ. So, talking about one ordinance of the church, you can't talk about one without the other. True that. Um, baptism. Um, how often are churches baptizing people? So this is this is the difference. So, what in the original church? Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You would get saved. And then you get baptized. That, that is, at least scripturally, that's what it looks like. Um, today in church, do we see that very often? I mean, I'm sure some churches do this, but do you think that this is a very common practice to get baptized or get saved, then baptized immediately? All I know is what I've seen. And it does seem that way. You know, when I when I profess faith, um, it was a week and a half, two weeks. I think it was two weeks before I was baptized. Um, I don't think there's an issue with that. Now, do I think you should be baptized? Absolutely. But do I think you, like, uh, like I know there, there's, I don't remember what church, but Pastor Chris talks about it, where they literally had, like, baptism clothes back there, and so you get saved, and immediately, like, you go change your clothes and get baptized. Which what seems to be what happens in Scripture, we see that. Um, maybe. I don't know. And honestly, I'm not sure. The only place where you definitely see that is, like, um, Philip and the dude on the road to Damascus, Samaria, one of those. He's the Ethiopian eunuch, that guy. Um, that's the only time he's like, there's water right there. What will stop me from being baptized? And the answer is nothing. And he, you know. Again, I think it's just important that you get it done. Yeah. Um, so- is, now, here's another question, though. Is it okay to wait for a week or two to really examine your heart and make sure that your heart's right? Sure. I think it's okay. Uh, sure I, that's I, fine. I would almost recommend that. 
because you need to make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. I mean, I don't know if I'd recommend it in the sense of, but you would want to make sure that your salvation moment is not just emotional one. Yeah. You want to make sure that it is real. Um, and to be very clear, not everybody's family goes to the same church. You know, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you want to profess, you're going to profess this to the community, also your family, to the world. Yeah. And I want to do it to people who's going to hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. You are a professing Christian. How do I know that? Because that's how you get baptized. Right. And so what does baptism represent? Just while we're talking about it. And a short, I mean, this could be a whole podcast. It could. Um, just a, a short overview, overview of what baptism is, and we'll move on to the next one. Yeah, so, so baptism is a representation of the the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And so when we are baptized, we are we go down into the water as a, a symbol that we are buried, that the old man has died, and then we are raised to newness of life. So when we go down into the water, it is like the old person is dead. Um, then when we come back out, um, it is a symbolic washing, but it is also a symbolic resurrection. The old man is gone. The new man has come. Praise God for his goodness. Are you excited every time that we have a baptism? I am. Uh, man, there there are times when I watch baptisms and I want to cry with joy. And there are times when I watch baptisms and I want to shout and dance around. And I, I love baptism. I just do. Like every time I watch one, my heart exalts in the Lord. I, I do. And I'm I'm a football coach. I'm a very stern individual. And I have very um, stuck-in-the-mud thoughts sometimes on things. Um, but when it comes to baptism, I can't help but get emotional, yeah. especially when children get baptized. Oh, yeah. And I, I said that on a Sunday morning before. I'm like, I was up there bawling my eyes out. I'm like, you, I was just coached a football game the day before, and I'm like, you would not think that I'm the same person. But there was something about children, adults, uh, saying, hey, it's not just enough that I gave my life to the Lord. I'm going to show everyone that I gave my life to the Lord. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to take... Uh, this ordinance and I'm going to apply it to my life. Yeah. And that's just beautiful. It is, man. Um, on, on the flip side of that, and I just want to kind of, I want to say this because this became very real to me again recently. You know, we were talking about, um, you know, one of our people uh, who just had his, his dad pass away. And one of the things that we weren't sure of was we did we just didn't know, you know, uh, is, was the man saved? Was he not saved? We don't know. Um, well, we found out, or I found out that, that, Right before he went on the ventilator, he actually made a profession of faith with a hospital chaplain. Didn't have time to get baptized. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I it was so amazing just the fact that, you know, he I, he made it, you know. Um, and I believe that, that Jesus saves, you know, we look at the thief on the cross, for instance, and today he would be with Christ in paradise. You know, we don't think that the baptismal water is what saves you. We believe it's the blood of, the blood of Christ that saves you. Should you be baptized? Yes, but... You know, it was still a beautiful moment that in that hospital room as this man passed away, um, you know, though he couldn't talk to us, though, you know, we knew that that it was a sad time. In some ways, it was an exaltation because we knew he was going to be with the Lord. And though we're sad for him to leave us, we also exalt in the fact that he's going to be with Jesus. Right. And that just and that alone blows me away because you're like moments yeah, I mean, literally, you really, you really should. I mean, if anybody's saying, "Hey, I'm," because there's people out here who say this right here. I'm just going to wait to that moment, to, yeah. and I'm going to repent for everything that I've done. You, you may not, you may not have that moment. You got to think there was angels of darkness mm-hmm. ready, ready to escort him to 
evil places as uh, thanks to me of that uh, movie Ghost. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, even though it's not exactly I biblical. Was say, I don't think that's biblical. No, but yeah, it is. It, but you just, this is just how my brain pictures it out. Yeah. But then you make that moment of profession and you have angels of the one most high mm-hmm. who's ready to escort you to heaven. Yeah. I mean, and that's just how much this these professions of faith can just, uh, I just snapped my fingers, I don't know if you heard that, but just yeah. changes everything. Yeah. Um, and you should never wait. Right. And so what did he do? Well, he did something that is done in baptism. He professed his faith. Yeah. So yes, we do that at the altar, yeah. a.k.a. the altar podcast. Um, yeah. But we also... The baptism is all it does. It does not save you, right? There are people out here who, who believe that, and I'm sure there's one listening today. Yeah. Um, and we will talk about baptisms in just a whole podcast eventually. Yeah. But baptisms, we do not believe, saves you, but we do think it is something that you need to do um, because Jesus did it. Yeah. It's a profession of faith. It shows the world that you are following after him. Yeah, it is a public profession. Right. Um, even in, uh, you were talking about Af- Afghanistan, you know, and even in some of these countries where, you know, let's say, for instance, you were raised um, as a Muslim. Um, if you convert to Christianity, they don't consider you a Christian fully until you're baptized. And and in the Muslim faith, you are cut off from your family once you become a Christian, uh, once you commit apostasy in their view. And so they don't cut you off, though, until the day of your baptism, because that is, for them, this final moment where you are buried and you are raised to a different life. So... So in this, Ben, we, we, that was a conversation about baptism and <clears throat> so prayers. And we're talking about the differences between the original church and the church now in 2022. Yep. Do you see a difference in how the church prays? I do. Um, okay, I'm really interested. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of the big things for me, like you see Peter. Uh, Peter is arrested and he is going to trial to die because he is a Christian. They had just killed James. Um, and Herod, seeing that the people were approval or were approving of that, they he arrests Peter in order to kill him as well. The church prays for him. It says that basically they pray for him all night, all day, fervent prayer um, for this man, um, and he is released from prison. Do we do that as a church? I don't know. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. Uh, but it has convicted me recently, more than ever, that when I see somebody who's going through something, you know, you see the Facebook things, and somebody's like, hey, would you pray for this? And if I'm honest, a lot of times I blow past those things and I never think about them. But recently it has re, it has it has been reborn in me, this idea that if they're asking for prayer, it's because it's super important. <coughs> and I should see those moments as essential I should see those moments as a time when I pray. And so when I look at the other church, another thing that I see that we talked about a little bit in the prayer podcast was when I pray, the early church, I believe, really knew that God listened. And I don't know that people pray like God listens. If they did, I think they'd pray a little differently. And so do we, I I don't want to, and that's the other thing about this is, I don't want to make the altar podcast a thing where we just bash church all the time. We just bash Christians and we're the best things in the whole world and everybody else is dumb. I'm not saying that every church does it wrong. I just really encourage people, and and this is, again, this is a recent conviction of mine. I'm not saying I'm perfect. However, I really encourage people to pray like God listens and to value prayer requests like like, like they are what they are, which is very important. And granted, the Bible study podcast, the one that was, I think was 
episode four mm-hmm. has made me change some of the way I'm studying my Bible just this week alone. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we take application from what we are saying and apply it to our daily life. So, yeah. um, I, I think prayer is um, a little different because these people relied on prayer every day. And I, I don't know if, um, like you said, I just don't know if we rely on prayer like the early church did. And I'm talking about yours truly, and every, I mean, and maybe even you that are saying, you know, they relied on prayer. Yeah, and they had to. And, and because without that, I mean, with that, they, they saw the move of God because of prayer. They saw demons leave bodies because of prayer. They saw yeah. uh, people come back to life because of prayer. Yeah. Where today we, we don't some people don't see anything because yeah. of prayer, yeah. but I still believe God, God hears me. Mm-hmm. Um, and but some people have seen miracles because yep. of prayer. Yep. Um, so th- that's just a thought. Yep. So in the world, in the local church, how does, now this could be very broad and you can, very, you can think about this very literally or spiritually, yep. um, worship. Mm. What's the, what's the difference between worship, um, you know, one AD In 2022? Mm. You know, I don't know. That's a good question. I was going to say microphones. <laughs> <laughs> guitars. I love guitars. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it does make me wonder. I th- I've thought about that before. What what was worship like in the early church? I know they sang some hymns. Right. I, know, I mean, to me, I think this is one thing that we've kept fairly similar mm-hmm. in the sense of that we're, we are just praising the one most high. Mm-hmm. I think it's very... And we're going to have a podcast very soon about... Uh, living that Christian life, um, worship, you know, mm-hmm. worshiping, and that's part of the Christian life. Yeah. But I think worship alone is that I don't care what kind of what style of music it is. I don't care if it's hymns, uh, yeah. Christian heavy metal. I really don't care. Um, you you do have some people out there who who do care, but I, I want the lyrics to be biblically sound, theologically true. Yeah. Um, and I think that is what they had. They had songs and hymns that were theologically sound, biblically sound, and that's what they uh, they kept going over and over and over again. And that's what they sung about. Yeah. And their prayers were biblically sound, yep. and their preaching was biblically sound. And that's as long as we stay on that path with our prayers being biblically sound, the way we take communion, make it sure it comes from the Bible, you know, the way we baptize people, it comes from the Bible. Then we are going to stay on the track that the local church was at back in uh, the Book of Acts. Yeah. So stay biblically sound. I mean, the the gospel never changes. The right. Bible never changes. Yep. But the ways and the measures that we present the gospel can change, and that's okay. And and that's fine. But don't sell out right. uh, to to the uh, society today and com- uh, and compromise what the Bible says for how people feel. That is a big thing today. Yeah. Do not compromise what the Bible says for how people feel. Yeah. It, it may hurt feelings, but Jesus came and hurt feelings. That's People's true. like, well, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus really do that? You're a pastor. Should you say that? Yeah, I should. <laughs> yeah, I really should say this. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I should have said it a long time ago. Yeah. And that is that is just my that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Yeah. But in this, I think the one thing is worship, and this is. We see this 
fairly uh, often the light shows, the lasers, uh, mm-hmm. the, the fog machines. I don't necessarily have a problem with any of those things. Man, I love a good light show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily have a problem with any of those things. But what I have a problem with, with is when it becomes more about the uh, presentation and yeah. production yeah. than it does about the one you're singing about. Yeah. Uh, one one thing that our own church does that I will harp on that really bothers me is we call, we have a pre-service meeting Production meeting. Oh, we call it production goodness. meeting, and I hate that. I hate that term. Now, I know why we do it. It's the same reason why we pre-plan the altar podcast. It's so that we can exalt God to the best of our abilities. But I hate, hate that we call it production meeting. Anyway, because well, it's not a production. Right, and, and, and yeah, because people call church a business. It's not. It's, it's, not a, a it's an organization. Yes. If that, that, but it's a gathering is what it is. Yeah. Um, now, can we learn things from businesses? Sure. Right. But it's a gathering of people that has come together to worship the Lord, period. And again, so I don't mind. If you're, you're going to a church that it looks like a concert, and, but they are truly bringing you into the presence of God yep. and bringing you into worshiping. Mm-hmm. Hey, go ahead. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm not going to be one of those people who are like, nope, fog machines are bad. <laughs> nope. The devil lives in that fog. No, we don't think that. No, I. I but what I'm going to say is, is when it becomes more about production yep. and what comes more about presentation yep. than it does become about God, it's... I mean, that doesn't mean that you can't worship God in spirit and in truth. Yep. That just means that they're not. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, you know, God convicts them of that. But uh, that's enough of that. Yeah. Now, we have kind of planned this out a little differently than the way I kind of want to take it next. Um, one of the things... Off that, the notes. Off the notes, <laughs> yeah. We see in the early church that... The early church, you're right. They absolutely had to pray and worship the Lord and rely on the Lord because of such persecution that they went through. Man, my heart is broken. Um you know, you mentioned Afghanistan, and I think about those believers who they lost everything when the Taliban took over. Maybe even their very lives. We don't know because we haven't gotten any news about them. That's the that's the really hard part. I think about the American church and just the the way America looks right now. And and I'll, I'll be honest, in some ways, I I fear for what comes next. Um, <clears throat> I follow some people who, you know, they they. There's there's a guy that I know personally, and he has some dreams and some things, and and he believes that there could be some hard times coming for America just in some of the dreams he's had that he believes are from the Lord. And when I think about it, man, I think about one of the scariest thoughts is can the church handle hard times in America? Um, when I think about the early church, I think about what they went through, and I I worry, could our church handle a government who would arrest them and all this stuff? Can uh, can yeah. I can I I'm gonna intervene in there? Yeah, go for it. Not most of them, maybe not. And 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 why I say this is, is because I just want to take us back to the pandemic, mm-hmm. and and what happened to the local church? Yeah, this is the, the one of the one times, and this is a very controversial topic, mm-hmm. and I understand, and I and I'm one of these people who believe that COVID was real. It was a real sickness. Yeah. It's real. Real people died. Yeah. Um, I, I got vaccinated because I want to tell you what track I was on. Mm-hmm. But you was in a pandemic yep. that affected 7 billion people. Mm-hmm. If it didn't, if you didn't get it, you was affected by it. Yeah. One way or another, your job was lost. Your local church was shut down. Mm-hmm. You was forced to stay home. We effectively 
removed the church from the world. We did. To 7 billion people. Yeah. So when persecution comes and they say, you can't come here because of this reason, real or not, the excuse may be good. We let them shut down the church mm-hmm. for years. Yeah. There are still churches now who are just starting to open up. Yeah. And it's 2022. Yeah. So how easy for a doctor to stand in front of a TV and say, hey, there's an illness going around. Don't come to church. Don't sing. Don't stand up and exhort the one true God. And what did we do? We're guilty of this. You and I. Mm -hmm. We shut down the local church. People walked by our church building who did not know Jesus Christ and walked by and went home. And guess what? They could have went in those doors that day, but they didn't. You know why? Because we weren't there. That kills me. And I will be daggone if that ever happens again. I believe COVID was very real. But persecution will come again like this. And it may not be a disease, mm-hmm. but it may be bigotry is being preached in your pulpit. You said homosexual, homosexual marriage is not okay. Mm-hmm. You said women's rights through abortion. You, you spoke against that. Yeah. So hate speech is being preached in your uh church so we're going to shut it down for six months and reevaluate your status yeah are you going to let that shut down your church because the local church back in the day would not have nope they literally drug church leaders in front of the pharisees and they said shut up about jesus or we'll kill you yeah and guess what they did they did not shut up about jesus yeah but we say this today shut up about jesus or we're going to call you names yeah we shut up yeah Ooh. we're going to take your tax exempt status why is that a threat? Who if I can't cares? pay my taxes, I shouldn't be open anyway. Well, and you know what? <laughs> Who cares? Right. I'm. Uh, if I have to pay tax, I mean, yeah, it'd be hard, and it'd be. But businesses do it every day. Look, man, if can I, I not pay my taxes? Do, if, is the Lord not going to provide that? If the church people want the, our, our church to stay open, they'll help us pay our taxes. That's true. Look, man, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Now there are people out here who go over and aboard on these things. Uh, there's that pastor down in Tennessee, won't mention his name, yeah. but uh, who's going crazy yeah. about, about, about it. Look, I'm not that way. But what I am saying is that we have removed the local church mm-hmm. here recently in our lifetime, yeah. and it will happen again. And I'm telling you today, it will happen again, mm-hmm. where somebody is going to be like, you cannot do this because we have a really good reason. Mm-hmm. And here's the reason. And it may be a really good reason, yeah. but it's not a good enough reason to forsake the gathering. You know why? Because the Bible tells me not to forsake it. That's true. Look, that is a hill I'm willing to die on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was one of those people that said, you know what? It may not be bad to close our doors for a few weeks. And let's just see what happens. I, I just effectively yelled at you. <laughs> That's fine. It's, it's okay. I feel convicted. Um, but I was. I was one of those people that said, you know what? Maybe this thing's terrible and I don't want to kill a whole bunch of people and but the thing about it was we quickly, quickly learned that that was not what was happening. You know, I, I got COVID. I got to COVID. Oh, my goodness. You got it twice. I got it twice. <laughs> I did. The first time, it was like the flu. The second time, it was like a bad chest cold. But I know people who had it real bad and had to go to the hospital. My grandmother has it right now, and uh, she had to go to the hospital once. And, you know, I, I, I My mom had it and had to go to the hospital. My stepdad had it and had to go to the hospital. Yeah. Um, I had guys at work who had it and died. Yeah. I mean, so yes, like I said, we, we both believe that this is a very, was a very true thing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like you said, if I have to stand in the parking lot 
and we have to social distance and wear the masks and Lord, people got all upset about the mask too. If that's what it takes for me to, to gather as a local church, buddy, I'll wear the mask. I don't care because Jesus is worth it. Um, and if it would get somebody to come in the door who's hopeless and needs Jesus and I can wear a mask to get them in the door, son, I'll do it. I don't care. But the point is I'm not going to – I agree. I don't think I'm going to ever forsake the gathering together of the assembly if I can help it. And what drove me nuts about this, and then we can move on because, yeah, yeah I don't want to harp on this for too long. Yeah. Um, what drove me nuts is that months before this, you would hear pastors preach. They would have to drag me away in handcuffs to get me out of this pulpit. Yeah. And I would preach from the prison cells. Yeah. But six months later, we're shutting our doors and putting notes on our doors saying, for the love, due to love of our neighbor, yeah. um, we are... We are canceling church this Sunday yeah. and for the foreseeable future. No, for the love of my neighbor, I should be preaching the gospel from my pulpit yeah. because and, and trying to bring them to repentance because that is love. Yeah. And I said this in, uh, before, too. I said it, my daughter was like not even one at the time. Mm. I said, sadly, if it caught my daughter getting COVID and dying because I brought her to church and one person got saved that Sunday— that is a risk I am willing to take mm. because we sometimes in this earthly mindset don't realize what is at stake. Yeah. The, the eternity of someone's soul is at stake every time we walk into those doors. Yeah. That is why we preach with excellence. Right. That is why we prepare with excellence. Yeah. That is why we sit in front of our uh, altar before church on Sunday mornings and we pray and we cry out to God that he will draw people into them. Yeah. But when persecution strikes and it becomes socially not acceptable to go to church for a couple months or years, I mean, because again, people are just now starting to open church. Yeah. We, we negated all of that. Yeah. We said, well, we're helping people. Mm-hmm. I don't. If it takes to helping people on this earth or helping them in the afterlife, yeah. What are we called to do? Yeah. Yeah, I was one of those. And this is a podcast in and of itself, but I do believe that the Bible teaches that as long as we are not not required to turn against biblical principles, we should listen to our government in a lot of ways, right? Um. But, you know, look and looking back on it, that was one of my reasons why I was like, let's close for a little bit with the pandemic. We'll have virtual services. It's okay. Um, but at the end of the day, we lost something going to virtual for as long as we did. And at the end of the day, I do look at it and I go, you know what? I don't know that what we lost was worth giving up. Some people still watch online and have it not come back Yeah, because it's easier to yeah. go, I mean, trust me, we sat at home for how many months? Yeah. And, and it was easier. It was easier. I was able to <laughs> bank my breakfast and not change, and yeah. and we had a newborn baby. And yeah. Well, I was able to go to the Church of the Holy Comforter, which was really nice, <laughs> a.k.a. my bed. I could attend from right there. It was perfect. That is amazing. But at the same time, I, I did miss out some, on something. And you know what was bad was I was never more joyful because I was on church staff and I had to come to church and help with the production and stuff. When we started coming back and doing that stuff, man, I was never more joyful. And and I just, I don't know, I look back on it and I realize, um, and, and I love people, and I don't want people to put other people in jeopardy, and yet the Bible commands us, do not, do not forsake the gathering together of yourselves, especially as you see the day, which is the end of time, drawing near. And regardless of your stance on the end of time, it might just be one day closer now than it was yesterday. Therefore, 
I should never forsake the, the gathering together. Be and, I, and I was saying all this, and people thought I was just being a, uh, a nut. And uh, I was like, no, you, you guys just don't understand. I do believe this is real. I just value so much. That was my front door locking. I just value so much the the gathering of together. I love church. I would come home from vacations, drive twelve hours at night while my you know, my parents would still be asleep and that Sunday morning when we got home and I would get up and go to church and then I'd come home and sleep afterwards. I just love our church so much. I love local churches and I, I hate to see them suffer. There was churches who closed down and never opened back up. And I mean, are gone, are gone, gone. And these, I mean, these were people's homes. These were people's families. These were people's church families. These were, you know, homeless people went to for shelter and they, and they closed down and they ne- just never could open back up. And so when you said, Hey, can the church today handle persecution? Not a lot of them. Yeah. And that's why I say that is because we would, we would try to negotiate the situation with mm-hmm. society, yeah. and we don't base things on society and church. We base things off the Bible. That's true. And that is, yeah. And people's like, well, you may be, you may be just taking that a little too far. I don't think so. I'm sorry. It's a biblical command to to not forsake the gathering of the assembly. Therefore, we shouldn't forsake it. And like, and I get it. If if you have a massive, if if like you knew it was going to be a week, mm-hmm. hey, everybody in our congregation has COVID right now. Yeah. So we're going to shut down just so we don't spread, you know, anything just for this week. Yeah. I, I'm more okay with that. Yeah. But we shut down not knowing how long we was going to be shut down. Yeah. And that that was the scary part. Yeah. So last 10%. Man, there's so much more I want to talk about. I know, right? So we're, we may have to do a part two to this. Yeah. Um, last 10%. Let's just recap what we, what we said. Yeah. Church is important. Mm-hmm. The finding a local body... And uh, for church members, yeah, is important. Yeah, I think that there is not a New Testament Christian without the local church. Yeah, I can't remember where I heard that. I heard that from somebody, and I can't because <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want to be able to say that's not my saying. Yeah, that's somebody else's, but I've heard that somewhere. Yeah, credit to someone who was really smart. Right. Yeah. So there's not a New Testament Christian without the local church. Yep. And I say that because the Bible commands us to do this. Yeah. You do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that. We, you see in Scripture how the church body is meant to uh, lift people up, how it's meant to for people to act, how we're help, here to help bring people to salvation. Yeah. Um, and that that is where people's like, oh, well, if God knows everything, mm-hmm. right? If God knows everything, then why do I have to preach the gospel? Then why do I have to do this? And why do I have to do that? Yeah. Uh, why do I have to pray? Well, first off, God told us to. Right. Second of all, he uses the church, the local church, to bring people in. Yeah. He uses that's the what's beautiful about this. This one holy God yeah. who, yes, does know everything yeah. and is completely sovereign, grabs his local body and he says, Go get them. Right. And that's amazing. Yeah. To go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that he has commanded. And therefore, therefore, he will be with us always, even to the end of the age. So, and then we talked about how has church changed over time? Mm-hmm. And we, we went off on a couple of rants. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> um, about, Except we're not sorry at all. Uh, yeah, we talked about, you know, um, are we devoted to the things that in Acts that they were talking about? Are we um, under pastoral teaching, which we did not even talk about for that? That it could be a, a subject all in itself. We yeah. didn't even drop a bucket yeah. in that. Are you under um, 
theological and biblical teaching? Are you under a motivational speaker? Mm. Um, how, what is fellowship, and is that important? Should yeah. we honor small groups more than we honor whole groups, or, or vice versa? Yeah. Um, and the answer to that is equally important. Yeah, they're yeah. both important. Yeah. You'll gain something different from both of them. Mm-hmm. We talked about communion and baptism and prayer and worship. Um, we also talked about um, persecution, and we got to dive into a little bit of how COVID, th- that is the most recent co- uh, persecution that the church has felt, um, has affected us and how we think about it. Mm. Um, Potentially. Yeah, potentially. I mean, we still are being persecuted when it comes to the abortion topic and mm-hmm. the way people think about us in that way. But we uh, that was mass. I mean, I'm talking about yeah. worldwide. Well, every yeah. every church in the world felt yeah. the impact of one thing, yeah. um, which is incredible. And so we talked about that for a minute. And I'm sorry if you don't uh, agree with our views on that. You saw how churches handle it. Yeah. So that's the beauty about America. You can have your own opinions. Yep. Um, and start your own podcast. Freedom of speech, right? <laughs> yeah, it was actually really easy to start our own. Yeah, podcast. it really was. Yeah. I mean, I think it took like what, like five hundred bucks. <laughs> it, yeah, and and not a whole lot of time. Nope. And uh, and I really wanted to get into the virtual church, but we didn't have enough time to get into that. But we will. We really will. Yeah. Should maybe we do it? Maybe that's what we do next. Is maybe we do a part two. We could talk a little bit about virtual church. We could talk about how to find a good church. Yeah. Because I don't want to be such just a Debbie Downer, um, but I want to say that there is a lot of things that the local church today, I think, does that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really need to talk about that. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. Part two. Part two. And d- maybe, hopefully, Dana is with us. Yeah. Um, because I think we're actually going to record that tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and all that, um, you know, so I want to know this. What do we love about our church. Oh, that's good. Um, so that we'll, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Okay. Um, how do we make our church better? Um, oh, we need to talk about that. We will talk about that tomorrow. Yeah. And I want you to comment on our Facebook page, The Altered Podcast. How could, what do you love about your church? Yeah. Um, what do you do to make your church a better place for people to be? And, and what do you do to make your church home? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Because we could learn from everybody on this. Absolutely. Because that is one thing I think our church does amazing at, is making people feel welcome. Yeah. But we can always do better. Yeah. And if you're going, I don't know that I do anything. Maybe you pray and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I know for a fact there is people inside of our church that we go to who disagree on my stance of what we just talked about and yep. a lot of things. Yep. Um, but that is another thing that makes our church home, is that you were allowed to have different opinions and still worship in the same place. Yeah, that's true. Because Ben and I differ on a lot. <laughs> um, you have anything you want to recap on? No, I think you hit the nail on the head. Well, every bit of it. So I got a random question for you. Oh, I knew it was coming. Here it is. So right. this is how the we way end. we end every one. Yep. We went. We uh, end every podcast. I'm going to need to make have Dina make a little sound effect for. Um, oh wait, wait. Hunter's random question. <laughs> <laughs> We just found that we had that option to make that noise, and now we're loving it. If you had one whole day to do nothing but um, absolutely nothing to what, but watch a series of movies, oh no, what would that movie series be? Oh, Star Wars, hundred percent. I'd watch every single one if I could. Wow, I don't know why, but I love Star Wars. I've loved them since I was a little kid. <clears throat> Ever since I've watched Return of the Jedi, which, in my opinion, is still the best one. I don't care what anybody says out there. You. Um, Empire Strikes Back people um, but Return of the Jedi number always is the best one 
And ever since I watched that and Luke's wielding that green lightsaber and, you know, all the stuff and the redemption story of Darth Vader, that's been the one. So if I could watch one, that'd be it. Mm. I think I would watch um, the Harry Potter series. I knew you were going to say that. Boy, there's a controversial thing. But, in that is. And you know what? We can talk about that later, too. But you know what? The Star Wars is kind of the same way. The Force. Right. The same thing. But I am a huge Harry Potter fan. Yeah, and you are. Uh, I've read the books of so the Harry Potter, Harry Potter world at Universal Studios. And if I have an all day to do nothing, it's snowing or raining as outside. Uh, that's a movie I will turn on. Yeah. Um, right now I can turn to TNT almost any time and see Star Wars. And so I'm loving it. Like yeah, I just, Disney just Plus, oh, yeah. um, you know, a Peacock has Harry Potter on them. So, yeah. hey, both of those people can sponsor us. Yep. Um, Boy, that'd be ironic. Wouldn't that? Disney Plus sponsors the Ultra Podcast. <laughs> oh, gosh. Man. They went after that conversation <laughs> we just had today. Oh, you absolutely right. Um, so in all this, thank you for listening to all five episodes of the Ultra Podcast. Yes. If this is your first time listening to the Ultra Podcast, make sure you go back and listen to the other ones. And the first one, you get to really experience who we are, yep. um, the Ultra Podcast, uh, how it was born, um, the way we got our name. And you get to hear us go through Genesis chapter 12 all the way through 13. Yeah. Um, and Ben overviews that for us. In episode two, we get to talk about the gospel and really what that means. In yeah. episode three, we get to talk about prayer. Episode four, we talk about Bible study. Yeah. In episode five, we talk about the importance of the local church, and that is this one. In episode now six, we'll be talking about the importance of the local church, part two. Yep. How um, we find a good one. Um, what the local church means to us. Yeah, what do we do in our church that we like? What yeah. could what could improve? Yeah. Things like that. We'll we'll dive into all that yeah. um next week. Yeah. One of the things we want you to know too is that that, you know, as as listeners, we may have never met any of you, we may have never heard a thing from any of you, and yet there's this deep seated love that we have for you. And we're we are so glad that you were here to listen to us. Whether it's one person or a thousand people at this point or a million people at this point. Um, whatever the case may be, um, we are so thankful for you. And we don't ever want you to listen to this and think, man, they just want to tell us how great they are and forget it. No, we love you. Um, and the only the only reason why we do this is to honor God and the things he does. And in that, we want you to honor God as well. And so that's our prayer for you. We want We want to be better Christians, and we want you to be better Christians as well. And if you're sitting out there, by the way, and you don't know how to be a Christian, um, you don't know even how to start, uh, but you want to be a Christian, check out episode four. We talk about that. Yeah, and also you can message us on the Facebook page. Some people, we haven't even aired a podcast yet. Yeah. It actually airs tomorrow Yeah, um, and well, as we're recording this. Yep. And we've already had some negative <laughs> comment <laughs> messages have. on Facebook. But So people have found us. Um, but we would more than, be more than happy and point you in the right direction, yeah. um, even talk to you personally. Absolutely. Um, ben, you're the creative director of... Uh, the Altered Podcast, Dina Burnett, made us our intro that we hear every time. Yep. But she also made our outro. We have we have a new improvement, and it is the outro. And so, with that, let's go out with the outro. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Altered Podcast. Be sure to listen next week for a brand new episode. Also... Be sure to connect with us on the Altered Podcast Facebook page for updates and other cool content. See you next week.